Hey girl, welcome to the She's Known podcast. This is a place to laugh, to be vulnerable, and of course, to grow in faith in our everyday lives. My name is Lauren, and I'm your host and big sister guide of sorts. Life is a hot mess, but it's so much easier when women like us can come together to be known. Hello, welcome back to the She's Known podcast. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just start with my hot mess moment right up front because it's just that kind of week. Um, Some of y'all may have noticed that I did not have a podcast episode out last week. That is because I am, there's a silly cold flu, whatever going around. Um, And it has kind of taken me down a bit. So last week I really like when I got home from work, I didn't have energy to do like literally anything. I didn't have energy to do much. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a, a week gap, but it's okay. Cause I'm, I'm back now and I'm kind of coming out the other end of it. Question mark. I mean, I'm still a bit sick and my throat is often on hurting, but we're going to think positive. So that's, that's where I was last week. Um, but let's just jump in then to this week's episode of the She's Known podcast. Uh, something that I wanted to really talk about is something that's been really weighing on me personally in my life a lot. Um, and that's about when, when your past comes back to haunt you. The good news for all of us is that God is so good and that Jesus died for our sins and Jesus died so that we could live forever with the goodness of God surrounding us if we choose to, that is. But we all have a past. We've all had moments where we struggled, um, but then we've overcome that. We've overcome that and come to, to God Right. But um, sometimes, sometimes some of us have a little bit more difficult of a past, and therefore it's harder for us to comprehend how God still loves us and still cares for us, especially when a lot of other people, we're all broken human beings, but when a lot of other people keep bringing up the mistakes that you've made in the past the wrong things that you've done in the past or the past person that you used to be. God is constantly at work in our lives. If we let him be, that's the key right there. He's at work in our lives if we let him and therefore he's constantly working on healing us. So what do you do when it seems like your past, whether that's your past choices, past actions, past words, what do you do when it seems like your past has come back to haunt you? What do you do when it feels like people keep bringing up who you were, even though it's not who you currently are anymore? And like I said, this is, this has been a struggle that's been on my mind and in my life, um, actively, like the enemy is really trying to remind me of my past mistakes and the past person I was before my relationship with God and before my relationship with Jesus. And 
it's been getting really frustrating. So I figured, Hey, let's talk about it. If I'm struggling with it, maybe some of you guys are too. And I know that this podcast is geared towards more of like the young adult, high school girls, college age girls, maybe in the twenties and thirties, whatever point of life you're in though, regardless of if you're younger or in the more wiser section of the population, we all have struggles. We all have temptations and none of us are perfect. So what do we do when our past haunts us? Um, my first thought is you don't live there anymore. I've think in a past episode, maybe question mark. There was a time I don't remember if it was on my podcast or maybe I was just hanging out with one of my girlfriends and I gave the analogy. I'm really big on analogies. Jesus really liked analogies. He called them parables. I really like analogies. It just helps my brain understand things better. So <clears throat> I figured I'd give you one of those. If somebody robbed a house that you used to live in, but you don't live there anymore and people are like, oh my gosh, like somebody just robbed your house. Um, but it's the house that you used to live in. You're not going, you're going to be like, oh, like, well, I'm glad I don't live there anymore. <laughs> right. They're not robbing your current house. They're not taking things from you currently. It's all things from the past. You don't live there anymore. Philippians 3.12 says, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Philippians is, um, for those of you who don't know, it was a book written while Paul was in imprisoned. Um, and it's actually considered one of the most joyful and happiest books in the Bible, even though he was in prison. But he gives so much wisdom. And just like in this verse, um, you got to move forward. You can't keep thinking in, about the things from the past and living in things of the past, but you've got to reach forward to the amazing things that God has for you in the future. Cause he does, he has an amazing plan for us in the future. You don't live in the past. You are not your past self. I'm not my past self. And that's again, something that's really hard for me to get through my head sometimes is I'm not that person anymore. I'm not the person who would stay up until three in the morning and drink. I'm not the same person who would go out and party on weekdays. I'm not the same person who would try to find validation in a guy. I'm not that same person anymore. And that's all because of God. That's all because of Jesus Christ. And here in Philippians 3, 12, it's, it's talking about that press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Our goal is to spread the gospel, spread the good news, make disciples, preach for the kingdom. We're supposed to make a kingdom impact here on earth. Don't think about everything that you have been because you don't live there anymore. Think of where you're headed. Think of the plan that God wants for you. I've said it so many times to myself, like, I think my plans are great, but let's be real. God's plans for us are way better than anything that we could come up with on our own or create on our own. We have to push forward towards that prize. And in that, we'll find peace. We'll find contentment. Another verse, um, that I like is uh, 1 John 1, 9. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, I know some of you guys are like, okay, Lauren, really confessing my sins, what the heck does that have to do with I don't live there anymore? There's something so powerful about proclamation and proclaiming things over your life and confessing those sins. Now, I'm not saying you need, this is like, you know, need to go air your dirty laundry to other people. Find trusted sources that you can confide in. Maybe there's a sin that you're constantly struggling with. Find a specific person that you feel like you can trust and do that. I have a few different um, go-to friends for when I struggle, when I sin, people that I know will speak life and encouragement into me, but will also kindly and lovingly correct me. Shout out to Hannah and Brittany. Um, big shout out to Brittany because Brittany be correct to me. Rachel, you too. Love you, girl. But I have a lot of amazing women in my life that I know that I can go and confess my sins because like I'm a volcano. If you're like me, you're a volcano too. You try to suppress, 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 and then one thing's going to set you off and then you explode and then you have like a mental breakdown or emotional outburst. You erupt like a volcano. But first John here is saying, if we confess our sins, he's going to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. We have to confess. Um, oh, ooh, today, because I'm filming this on a Sunday, today in church we were in the book of Judges and we were talking about Gideon and how um, Gideon used to be, he, like when God first approached him, he was in this very like lowly, submissive place. Um, and then God rose him up to be a judge of Israel. For those of you that don't know, the book of Judges is, I think it's really fascinating. I think it's highly entertaining. Um, but it's also pretty gory. Like if it was a movie, it would definitely be rated R because there's like a lot of like murder <laughs> and stuff. But essentially the book of Judges is a cycle. It's, um, oh, hang on. Let me open up this really quickly because I wrote it down in here pretty well. Judges, 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 judges. Stand by, guys. Stand by. There's, okay. Um, okay, yeah. So judges is a, a cycle. It's essentially a cycle. And the, the people are like, oh, like, God, you've forsaken us, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, everything falls apart. But this is essentially how the cycle goes. Israel cries out to the Lord, like, God, you're not with us. We, we need you to be with us. We love you. Be with us. And then from them crying out to God for help, God raises a, a judge, which it, this isn't a judge in the sense of like, you know, the gavel and like, I sentence you to life in prison or whatnot. A, this was a judge is in kind of like the leadership role to guide the Israelites and the Israel people. So he, once they cry out, he's like, fine, I'll give you somebody you want to be, you want somebody to be in charge of you, even though this land is supposed to be run by God. If you really want somebody to be in charge of you, fine, here's, here's a judge. And from that judge, the next step in the cycle is Israel is delivered from some sort of a battle or war from enemies. And then for the next part of the cycle is for a while, there's peace in Israel and um, is the Israelites serve the Lord and love the Lord. Um, but then 
that peace kind of makes them feel content and that peace makes them feel like they take for granted that peace that God has given them and they think that they've earned it instead of it was given to them. So the next part of the cycle is Israel does evil in the eyes of the Lord. So they idolize things, they mess up, they do silly goose things. And then like all good parents, the next step is God punishes Israel. That's And, and that's the cycle of the book of Judges. Like every single judge that there is, it's Israel messes up. Israel gets punished. Israel cries out to the Lord. God gives them a judge. Israel is delivered by God. Israel is happy and peaceful, but then Israel gets selfish and thinks that they do all these things. So then they sin and bad things happen. It's it's just an ongoing cycle in the book of Judges, but it's a really, it's a really fascinating book. Um, anyways, where I was going with this is today in, oh, sorry, somebody outside must be screaming. Um, today in church, Pastor Zach gave like a bomb.com um, wrap up message. This is a four part series. This was the fourth week of the fourth part series called Legends. No, Legacies Over Legends. So legacy is something that is carried on from generation to generation that is taught from generation to generation that is based on like, how did he explain it? If I'm leaving a legacy, I'm instilling my love of God and my action of God and my relationship with God into the next generation versus a legend, which is essentially folklore and, and made up and just tales of old. There's no application. There's no carrying on from generation. It's just a story that's told. He made a really cool point today that legend is religion and legacy is relationship. So religion, you know, people carry the religion from down from generation to generation and they follow the rules because they think that's what it is, even though it's actually supposed to be the legacy of the relationship with God. Anyways, um, but where was I going with this? I just want a tangent about judges. And that was like, I know what it was. I was reading from uh, one John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay. Well, now I got to go to that chapter. We were in Judges chapter nine. Stand by, guys. Like, I know, I know that I was going to make a point, and I know, I know that I was going to have to do with this. Oh, Jotham's parable is also pretty good. Okay, Gideon's legacy. I'm not sure, but I will say this. Um, when they say you don't live there anymore, Gideon no longer lived in that past as that poor, um, lowly, submissive person. He was raised up to a, a status for God and loving God and serving God. Um, I mean, as always, as all humans are, he was not perfect and he made some bad choices along the way. But he was able to, for the longest time, stand in the power of knowing, stand in the confidence of knowing that he's not in that low status, that low place anymore. He is serving and honoring God and God is blessing him with that. I just thought that was so cool. 
I just thought that was cool. So cool. Anyways, um, moving on. So you don't live there anymore. Doop, doop, doop. Okay. Um, think of it this way too. If Paul, this is, you know, Saul who was turned into Paul, um, because he had this like major life-changing encounter with Jesus. So if Paul, who had persecuted the early church and killed lots of believers, including Stephen, Stephen was the first Christian martyr. He's, um, he was saved and more importantly, tells us that he has forgotten what is behind. Then who are we to cling to our past? In other words, Paul used to be this, this guy, Saul, not King Saul from the old Testament. This is the new Testament. This is Saul. He was like the number one person of like down with the Christians. These Christians are stupid. These Christians be crazy. Let's go murder all of them. He murdered Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr, the first person to die for the faith. Um, like, well, other than, you know, Jesus Christ and stuff, but he was a first Christian martyr that gave it all up for his beliefs. So if Paul, who was the biggest murderer of Christians, can have an encounter with God and be completely transformed and God has forgotten about his sins and he's forgotten, well, not forgotten, but he's let go of his sins, who are we to cling to our past? It's not who we are anymore. We don't live there anymore. Um, for me, this is hard. The past few years with the pandemic and everything have been um, extremely stressful and difficult on me as they have with everybody. My relationship with God about two years ago was really in its infancy. Uh, like, again, I had grown up going to church, but I didn't really understand it. And then I started to realize, you know, a few years ago about the relationship that it was between me and God. But in that time, I made lots of mistakes. I went out and partied. I drank too much. Stayed out too late. I was getting very angry and very bitter and very negative. My depression and my anxiety was taking over as a result of lack of sleep mixed with alcohol. I was searching for validation from, I just wanted attention from guys because I felt like that's what I needed to be validated was for guys to compliment me and tell me how pretty I was and, and all that stuff. And then I was confused as to why my, you know, why none of those guys were genuine or wanting to actually be with me. There were times at work that I've made a lot of mistakes. And even though, even though I'm no longer that person, a lot of people still look at me that way. A lot of people look at me and think, oh, she's the girl that used to do that. She's the girl that used to do this. She's the girl that used to whatever. And I get it. I was that girl. I'm not proud to be that girl, but it's a part of my journey and who I am. 
but it's, it's really difficult when you feel like you've had such a dramatic change, like God has moved drastically in my life. And it's so hard for people to look at me and talk down to me and look down to me and treat me as if I was still that nasty, bitter person. But I like, I get why they do it because that's the only me that they know. They haven't gotten to know the new me because, well, they don't want to get to know me. I, I relate to Paul in that sense because there was, um, who is it? Gosh, I think it was one of the disciples. Now I'm brain farting. I'm tired. I don't know. But there is somebody that Jesus was like, yo, you're going to let, um, you're going to go to, go to Paul. Um, oh gosh, this is going to bother me now. He had to go to Paul for something. And he was like, yo, God, um, you're crazy. Cause Paul, isn't that the dude that was like murdering people, murdering Christians. And they were afraid to get to know Paul. They were afraid to go to Paul because they felt like they were turning themselves into the person who was trying to murder them, even though Paul had been completely transformed by God. So I get why people still look at me that way. It's a consequence of my past that I have to live with for, well, a while, only time can heal those kinds of things. And I guess for some people it hasn't been long enough, but I will say I'm finally starting to see the fruit of it because I've had several people who I did not get along with in the past um, recently tell me how much I've grown and how proud of me they are and how, how, you know, long of a way I've come. So I am like, it's, it's possible. I don't live there anymore. And I have to remind myself of that constantly. Sometimes it just gets away from us, but you don't live there anymore. Keep going towards the goal that God has for you, your purpose in life, fighting for the kingdom, doing what you need to do for God. Keep going in that direction and you'll be good. That was a long first thought. <laughs> thought number two, um, well, this kind of piggybacks off of what I was just saying, but things do take time for people to realize. People bring up my past all the time. I don't know if it's like a powerful thing for them. Like they have to bring up who I used to be or how I was to make them look better. I don't know, but things do take time for people to realize. I've had many moments when I didn't make the best choices and people saw me for how I was. But then I gave my life to Christ. And even though I did shift and started acting different, people still looked at me like I was the old version of me. Things take time. They take time. Um, and I'm a youth leader at my church. So our youth service this past Wednesday was talking about um, David, King David. So his in-between, in-between his anointing when he was like, 12 or something like that to when he actually became king in his like thirties or something. And those are real, like real rough, rough ballpark estimates. But from those time, in, there was an in-between time. That in-between time was the preparation. That in-between time was the preparation for like, he would not have been able to beat Goliath if he hadn't had that preparation. If he hadn't fought off lions and bears, how could he defeat a giant? We have that in-between preparation time that seems long and irrelevant, but it's so, 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 so important. It's like really important, guys. 
really important. Um, something that I really like to hold on to is my family started to notice a change in me when I started getting involved in my church. I went through a lot of other things too. Like, yes, I do therapy. Yes, I take some medication for my anxiety and such. And those did help. But I, it was my mom that pointed it out. And it just like really hit me when she said, um, cause I was, I was talking to her and I was like, yeah, like, I really think that since, you know, going to therapy again and, and being on my anxiety meds, I think that that's been really, really helpful to me. And that's, um, been a pretty, like pretty cool shift for me. And my mom said, well, I've actually noticed a change in you since you started going to church and since you started getting involved in church and that, that was really, really cool to hear. And that was really that was really reassuring to hear. I know that I, we shouldn't need validation. It's a one person audience. We should always be looking for God's approval, nobody else's approval, but the human nature in me really needed that encouragement and that validation that like, look, you are doing something right. And people are noticing it's gonna take time and that's okay. But sometimes you, you just gotta, keep your nose down, grind, get work done and work on yourself and work on your relationship with God. And that fruit will eventually show. I promise that fruit will eventually show. All right. And then my last thought for when your past haunts you is go to the word and go to God's promises. I know that this is what everybody says. This or like, just pray about it. I know, I know that this is what everybody says and it's like the most annoying advice sometimes, but as annoying as it is, it's so true. The Bible is the living, breathing word of God. I, when I go into my, every time I go into my Bible, I learn something new, even if it's something that I've read multiple times before. That's the really cool thing about the living word of God is you're like, oh my gosh, like things that you just kind of skipped over or like skimmed over or just like meant nothing to you last time you read it. This time they just like smack you in the face and you have like this like, whoa, conviction moment, right? But go to God's word, go to God's promises. Um... I have, I got it in my little church cafe. It's a book of God's promises and it's separated. I think I've mentioned it before, but um, it's the new King James version verses, but there it's separated by different things. So it's like when you're feeling lost, when you're feeling lonely, when you're feeling overwhelmed uh, versus for when you're depressed, blah, 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 all those things. But they're all different. They're all different. Um, promises of God. And that's something so good to remember. Um, I also did kind of a little bit of research and I found there was a, um, a blog called unmasking the And it gave a list of nine truths for when you're struggling. So <clears throat> this is like struggling when maybe you're depressed, maybe you're angry, maybe you're going through, a you know, you're stressed over a test whatever it is, these are nine truths that I think that you can not only have, but also that I feel like you should verbally speak out loud over yourself. There's something, you guys, I'm telling you, 
And there's something so powerful about speaking it out loud. Your mind is a battlefield. That's where the enemy is always trying to get you, right? At least if you're like me, I'm a professional overthinker. Like, mm, I'm, I'm real good at it. I'm very good at finding not only the worst case scenario, but all of the other worst case scenarios after the worst case scenario. It's annoying and frustrating. And that's how my mind works. And the enemy knows that. And so my mind is a battleground. Your mind is a battleground. But if you take the battle outside of your mind and you verbalize it, there's something just like the, um, in point one, talking about confessing your sins, there's something so powerful about saying that out loud. One, it gets it off your mind and you just get to release it. But it's almost like you, it, well, it's not almost like you have the authority. You do have the authority according to God's word. You have the authority to speak life in yourself and to cast away the enemy. You have that authority because God is in you in the Holy Spirit. But these are things, these are nine truths that when you're struggling, I really, really encourage you write these down, um, post them somewhere. Maybe you're like me and you get sticky notes and say them out loud. If you just like, I, I'm, I'm telling you in my, in my women's Bible study at church, we're doing, um, a Bible study that's called map the life you want to live or map the life you something to map in your life. And map is an acronym for meditate, apply and proclaim meditating. So every week we meditate for two days on a specific verse for that same verse. The next two days we figure out how to apply it to our life. And for the next two days, we take that same verse and we proclaim it verbally over our life. You guys, that proclamation part is so powerful and so important. And I'm not the best at it, but I know, like I notice a different a difference in me when I do proclaim it. So, sorry, um, un unmaskingthemess.com has these nine truths. Write them down, speak them over yourself, speak them over your friends, look at them, whatever's going to help you. But one, God is still in control. God is still in control. Two, Satan doesn't have free reign over us. He doesn't, guys. Satan does not have free reign over us. Three, God limits the degree that Satan can cause problems. I get it. Sometimes we think that, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing Satan to do this to me? I think of the story in Job where I'm like, bro, why are you letting the enemy do all of that stuff? But in reality, God doesn't let the enemy do stuff without it having a purpose. What the enemy doesn't know is it doesn't matter what he does. God's going to take everything that Satan does and twist it for our good. Twist it for his good. And then Satan's over there like, meh. So God limits the degree that Satan can cause problems. Four, the struggle provides an opportunity for greater faith and a deeper relationship with him. The struggle provides an opportunity for greater faith and a deeper relationship with him. When we struggle, we have to rely more on him. 
Sometimes when we're up on our high horse and we're living our best life and we're getting all these blessings, we forget where those blessings are coming from and we rely less on God. And then that leads to just kind of like almost a stagnant relationship with God. But when you confide in him, when you rely on him, when you need him as your escape and your salvation and all of those things, it gives you an opportunity to build a deeper relationship with him. It makes me think of my favorite verse in the Bible, which is Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, uh, be patient in affliction and be constant in prayer. All right. Uh, proclamation number five, this difficulty will accomplish God's purpose. This difficulty will accomplish God's purpose. Whatever the struggle that you are going through, that means that God's growing you. God doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He's pushing you into tougher waters and, and harder things so that you can grow as a person. If you look back to all of the struggles that you've been through, for the most part, you come out on the other side a better person. Ask yourself, what is God trying to teach me through this? What could God's purpose be for this? What is How is God trying to grow me through this? Um, six. The devil is the only one who fills us with doubt, discouragement, and despair. So watch out for these three Ds. So those three Ds again, doubt, discouragement, and despair. Doubt, discouragement, and despair. The devil's the only one who can give those to us. When we have those, that's from God. Or that's not from God, sorry. <laughs> Scratch that. When we have that, that's from Satan. That's from the devil. Only peace comes from God. God doesn't give us discouragement, despair, doubt. God will give us correction, but he's not going to give us these. The devil is the only one who can fill us with the three Ds, doubt, discouragement, and despair. Seven, God will work it out for our good. God will work it out for our good. Think of Job. Job, there's a lot of lessons to be learned with Job. There's a lot of lessons to be. Now, I also think of Ruth. You know, Ruth sticks out to me too. Um, or even, you know what? All the characters in the Bible that have had like the struggle bus, God's worked it out for them. Okay. But since Job was my first example, let's just go back to him. Now, Job, homeboy, had um, a family, had like a little farm, had servants, had he was living the life and he was a faithful servant of God. He loved God and gave everything he had to God. Um, and then the enemy essentially took it all away, including like his health, like he created boils on his skin and like took away his family, took away his servants, took away like all the things. God restored it and then some because of Job's faithfulness to God. Ruth, Ruth had a husband. Her husband died. She tagged along with her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law, um, who was very bitter, eventually helped her find her Boaz. Ruth and her Boaz. Boaz redeemed Ruth and her mother-in-law and that family. God will work it out for our good. I know, I know there's somebody out there listening that is struggling 
I know that there's somebody out there right now who's having a hard time and feels like, why me? Why is God putting me through this? And as hard as it is to realize, it's a good thing that you're struggling. Struggle means growing. Struggle means you're getting strength. Struggle means you're valuable. You wouldn't be struggling if you weren't. Sometimes the enemy knows we're so close to a breakthrough and that's when he hits the hardest and that's when we struggle the hardest. God will work it out for our good. There's even a verse that talks about that. God will work out for all, uh, will work all things for the good of those who love him. Okay. Uh, Proclamation eight. This hard time will lead us to a free and blessed life. Difficulties will still be present. I, I put that in parentheses. So even though difficulties will still be present, this hard time will lead us to a free and blessed life. Life's not, I'm sorry, guys, life's not going to be easy. <laughs> it's not, but it's not going to be a nightmare either. You will have difficult seasons you walk through. You will have prosperous seasons you walk through. It's, life is not just um, one big parade of rainbows and butterflies, but it's also not one big nightmare, okay? You will have difficulties no matter where you go in life, but the hard times will lead us to being free and blessed in life. And then the ninth proclamation is the process prolongs when we fight the struggle in our human ways. The process prolongs when we fight the struggle in our human ways. If you feel like I'm just, I'm sitting and I've been sitting in this dark, hard, difficult place for a long, long time, maybe you need to take a step back and reflect. Are you relying on your own human abilities to fight this? Or are you leaning on God? If you're leaning on your own human abilities to struggle, or to, to fight whatever it is, that's going to prolong the process. That's going to make your hardship longer. I've given the analogy of the buffalo before, but buffaloes run to the storm that's coming instead of away from the storm. They run through it, and then they get out on the other side. Sometimes you have to run to the storm, not from it, because when you run from it, it'll eventually overtake you. You'll be exhausted from running, and it just prolongs it even more and prolongs the pain even more. But when you go to it, go to the storm, go to God in the storm, you're going to feel it. It's going to be difficult, but it will pass sooner than later because God's got you. At the end of the day, we all have pasts. Even if you think you don't have a past or even if you think you have the worst past in the world, God loves you. God loves you and wants what is best for you. Lean on him, give it to him. And remember, no matter what anybody says, you are a chosen, chosen, loved, and known daughter of the one true king. All right, all right, you beautiful, beautiful people. So just to review, um, my three thoughts on when your past haunts you. One, remember, please remember, you don't live there anymore. 
You don't. You've grown. God's grasped your heart. You don't, you're not that person anymore. If, if nothing else, hear me when I say God loves you, you are no longer that person. He has redeemed you. My second thought, things do take time for people to realize. Things don't take time for God to realize. When you ask for forgiveness, he'll give it to you. But things take time for people to realize because people are not God. People are broken. People are fallen. People are people. So things will take time for them to realize. And that's okay. That's just how it goes. They... I've had to redeem myself um, in certain areas. There are still some people who look at me in a not so great light, and that's that's just life. But the one person who things do matter for is God. And then point three, go to the word and God's promises. If you look at pretty much any character in the Bible, you will see that they've had to go through some sort of a transformation. People didn't necessarily forget their past, but they learned who their new new self was. Live your life as if you were a Bible character. Let God transform you. Let God redeem you. Let God renew you. As always, please like, share, rate, review. If you have a friend that you really feel like would benefit from this, um, please share it with them or like, let me know what you think about it. Um, you can follow on Instagram at she's known podcast. Um, yeah, send me messages if there's anything you'd like to hear from, or just let me know that you like it. I don't know, but, um, I hope you guys are all doing okay with this flu that's going around. I hope you guys are all good. I'm hoping that I'm coming out of this on the other side. (laughs) Um, but I will hopefully talk to you guys next week. Bye guys.